So we're going to carry on thinking about those core values of Christianity that we want to think about as we live our lives day by day. If you remember, we've been talking about going on holiday and everything, haven't we? And we've been saying that often when you go on holiday, there isn't enough space to take everything that you want to. You may want to take... Okay, let's say the kitchen sink or some aerobic activity uh, equipment or, or something like that. You know, or you might want to take five books with you because you think you're going to get through quite a few books. And if you take five, you know you've got a choice when you go away. But what we want to do is think, well, we can't take as many things on holiday as we want to. And that's just the same as real life as well. We might want to think, oh, I want to do so many activities. I've got so many hobbies. I've got so many interests. But we can't do them all. And some things are much more important than other things as well. And what you've got to do is decide, well, what's our priorities in life then? Is it to do your stamp collecting every day and to look at it, get your tweezers out and look in... Is it Gibbons or something? I'm just sort of remembering from when I used to do it years ago. Or you might sort of think, I need to do a run or go for a walk or walk the dog every day. Priority. But maybe there's other things in your life that perhaps aren't such a priority at the moment, but God is encouraging us and saying, yes, have a think about the things that are important to God and maybe make them important in our lives as well. And we've been hearing about them over the last few weeks, haven't we? We've been thinking about the first one that we looked at was putting God first. And we said, yeah, in our lives, we know as Christians, we want to put God first. Then Jean was talking about the week after that is great uh, putting God first. But then that means we've got to repent towards God. We've got to keep right with God. But then that's a bit awkward, perhaps, it means we've got to forgive other people because if we're repenting and we've got a good relationship with God that means our relationship with other people needs to be a blessed one and an encouraging one and so that means we've got to be able to forgive others and sometimes well often then once you've done that and you're a Christian you've been a Christian a little while you think right I'm going to be baptized because it's not just I'm getting older so I want to be baptized but it's just it's God is saying Go through the waters. And it's a symbol of saying, yes, I'm changed, I'm different. And then Paul was talking about that we as a group of people are a family together. So we're all different individuals, but together we're one family. And that's what Paul was saying. And he was saying, yeah, so because we're a family, we need to meet together. And meeting together is really important because it encourages us and sort of learn new things from people that you just think, well, oh, for instance, like over coffee, sometimes I learn a lot, not just about being, well, some people call it being nosy, but I call it being interested in people. So, and inquisitive. I think I'm an inquisitive person. So I'm inquisitive about where people are and what they, what they speak about and how their minds work. That's being inquisitive. And over coffee, I learn so much about people. I'm making mental notes about everyone and thinking, oh, that's so exciting. 
They do this, they think that way. They don't think like A, B, C, they think X, Y, Z, or something like that. So it's really encouraging. Uh, then the Reverend Song came along, and he was encouraging us and challenging us to be people of prayer. And again, that was wonderful, because that's another core value of being a Christian today. It's not like you can just imagine 100 years ago when people were Christians, they had plenty of time with their Christianity, surely, didn't they? So, they had plenty of time, so they had time to pray. They could pray all evening and then pray through the night because they had the time to do it. God is still encouraging us and challenging us to pray and to put God first and to repent and forgive others and meet together because we're a family. So meeting together as a family, brilliant. That's what you do, isn't it? Praying together and then reading the Bible. Last week, Nick was talking about it and it makes you think, well, what is the Bible? And after Nick talks about it and things, but reading the Bible, being encouraged is all excellent. And it's so important to have all these habits in our lives, just as sub things, things that we do in a subconscious way, which is just like I will today, without thinking about it, put God first. Today I'm just going to read the Bible. It's something that I put as a priority in my life. I'm going to pray. I'm going to do it. I've got other things to do as well. But God says put it first and to me and to you it's really important and we want to be able to do these things you know we often get hard things in our life we get easy times in our lives and we get hard things hard things flung at us that we just don't want we don't expect it all of a sudden happens and by having these habits ingrained in our lives so we know when god when we feel god may be far away or the hard things are happening we know still that God is with us and we can carry on doing these things even in difficult times. So today, we're thinking about be generous. I've got some questions for you. You know me, I like a lot of interaction, don't I? Because partly then I know you're thinking, but partly as well I know you're still awake. So it has all these kind of positive aspects about it for me. So here's a question. I'm going to read out some scripture And I want you to tell me, does this show generosity? Okay? It's going to go on the screen as well, so you can read it in your head just as I'm reading it out loud. So I'll ask you at the end, does this show generosity or something like that? And you can answer how you feel. Okay? For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world, they even gave up his only begotten, unique son, so that whoever believes in trusts in, clings to, relies on him, shall not perish, come to destruction, be lost, but have eternal, everlasting life. John 3, 16, from the Amplified Bible. Does that show generosity? I had an absolutely. It certainly does, doesn't it? So there's lots of yeses and one absolutely. I want you to imagine Jesus coming to earth. He could have come and done it various ways, couldn't he? He came as a sinless one. Perhaps, generosity, just put that on as well, because we all agree, don't we? Perhaps he came along, this is not what happened, but I'm just giving a scenario, and he'd come along and say, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. God bless you. Come to me, and I'll give you life. 
God loves you. And so he's going around, speaking to people. But what's he not doing? Getting too close. Is that how Jesus was? He'd just mingle a little bit with people, but generally he'd keep himself to himself because he wanted to remain sinless. But he'd say lovely things to people, challenging things, but that was it. Is that how he did it? How are you doing today? Fine, thank you. What's on your heart? <laughs> and how can I bless you today? You're such a great person. What, what can I do with you today? Just like me. Brilliant. And then he'd pray. And then he'd sort of come along and say, how you doing, mate? And he'd sort of say, great. And it's lovely to see you. What, what's on your heart today? Being happy. (laughs) Being happy. So that's what Jesus was like. Do you think if Jesus was the former example, any miracles would have happened? Take the water into wine at Cana. Do you think if he'd just kept himself to himself and was just in the corner, there'd have been water changed into wine? No, he'd have kept himself. What if... He sort of uh, saw this lady with an issue of blood, because he knew what was wrong with her, coming up to him. And because uh, he, knew, he knew, didn't he? He says, don't touch me, I'm holy. Would she have got healed? No. What about if uh, some people that had died, Jairus' daughter or Lazarus? Oh, Lazarus, my friend, he's died. But I'm not going to go there, because I don't want to mix with people like that. Would Lazarus have been raised from the dead? But Jesus was generous, and he didn't just take his mission as, yes, I'm going to die on the cross and die for people in the end. He took it day by day and interacted with people. And that's how the miracles happened, I think, because Jesus raised people from the dead and loved people and took them where they were. He was with people and interacted And so we know that the people of Galilee and Jerusalem and those that saw Jesus, they were really challenged by him because he didn't just say things, but he did things. Things that changed people's lives. But there's more generosity too. Here's another one. Again, at the end, when I've sort of said it, tell me if it's being generous or not. This is Isaiah 55, verses 1 to 3. If you are thirsty, come and drink water. If you don't have any money, come eat what you want. Drink wine and milk without paying a penny. Why waste your money on what really isn't food? Why work hard for something that doesn't satisfy? Listen carefully to me and you'll enjoy the very best foods. Pay close attention. Come to me and live. I will promise you the eternal love and loyalty that I promised David. So that's Isaiah 55 from the contemporary English version. Does that show generosity? Yeah, so Jesus is saying, I'm the Holy One. I've died for you, but come still. It's not just a one-off gift I've given you. I'm not just showed immense generosity once, and that's it. But come to me every day. Come to me. I want to love you. I want to put my arm around you, as we'll see on some other Bible verses. Generosity, most certainly. How about this one? Have you, ent- have you entered the storehouses of the snow 
or seen where the hail is stored? Where is the lightning diffused or the east wind scattered around the earth? Who cuts canals for storm floods and paths for the lightning and thunder? And that's Job 38:22 to 25. Generosity? Think about creation, just before you think about it. God could have made everyone six foot two and three eighths. He could have made everyone witty and handsome. He could have made everyone really intelligent, just like me. What world would that have been like? Okay, I'll accept that. (laughs) It would have been boring. But the thing is, God is so amazing, so brilliant, so loving, so generous that he made us all different. Isn't that generosity? Think of all the different blades of grass. We're going to call them brown blades of grass at the moment, aren't we? But how many shades of brown is grass at the moment? How many shades of green will they become in a few months' time? God is generous. He didn't just create, create us all the same. He's created us differently. And he's created the big, massive Jupiter and the sun and lots of stars we don't know anything about. And yet he's created tiny little newts and tiny little flies. God is generous. He could have created us. And did all, just a, a few things. Just like all Model T Fords had to be black at the beginning or something like that, weren't it? But God is generous. Do you think? Generous? How about another one? Generosity, yes. The Lord your God, this is from Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is in the midst of you, a mighty one, a saviour, who saves. He will rejoice over you with joy. He will rest in silent satisfaction and in his love he will be silent and make no mention of past sins or even recall them. He will exult over you with singing. That's our saviour. So Jesus didn't just die for us. As we say, Lord, forgive us our sins as we forgive each other. Lord, be my saviour. He forgets them. He hasn't just put them on a hard drive somewhere, where there's a list, or on a USB stick, and he'll just bring them out now and again just to look at all the bad things we've done. He's forgotten them. Wiped clean because of Jesus' blood. Is that generosity? Gracious generosity. generosity. It's brilliant, isn't it? More generosity than we can think about. But, as God says... Here's my generosity to you. God also says, it's your turn now. Be generous to others and to yourselves. Romans 12, 1 and 2 talks about us being generous. This is from Philip's New Testament. With eyes wide open to the mercies of God, I beg you, you, my brothers, as an act of intelligent worship, to give him your bodies as a living sacrifice, consecrated to him and acceptable by him. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mould, but let let God remould your minds from within, so that you may prove in practice that the plan of God for you is good, meets all his demands and moves towards the goal 
of true maturity. And that's the idea about being generous. Us being generous. Us having our eyes wide open. And then saying, Lord, yes, you've been generous to me in so many ways. I want to learn to learn to develop and grow to true maturity so that I know that I'm pleasing you, that I'm a good and faithful servant. Now, so far, I've put the word generosity across. This time I've put the word difficult because God's saying to us, be generous. But perhaps we find it difficult. I know I do sometimes. But as you know, I'm a piano teacher as well as sort of helping to lead the church. And so if someone's got something difficult that I'm encouraging them to learn, I'll say, let's break it down to make it easier to deal with. So here's a bit of a Beethoven sonata. Beautiful, love it. But some people look at the notes and say, me? You want me to play that? Good gracious, they'd say, or something like it. (laughs) But this is what I'll say to them. Let's try it. Let's take a bit at a time. Let's have a go at it. So what we want to do today is not just me say, be generous, and then sit down, because that's not very helpful, is it? If I'm saying, God is generous, you should be generous too. Let's break it down a little bit. Let's think how we can be generous. I like to poke around in the Greek New Testament sometimes. Sometimes a bet. I'm strange like that, but sometimes it gives me a lot of joy because I look at words like this. Oh, be generous, yes. I look at words like this and I think, hey, that's a great word. I'll tell you the letters, all right, because then you will think what a great word it is. So we've got an apostrophe over the I. So it's H I L A R O N. What's the word? I'll say it slower. H I L A R O N. Hilaron. Can you think of an English word that might be very similar to Hilaron? Hilarious. We know that verse, don't we? 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 and 7. This is the only place in the Bible, Hilaron, where, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 and 7, where it occurs. God loves a cheerful giver. And what I want us to think about today is not just, oh, God loves a cheerful giver in one respect, but in quite a few respects, because God lives, loves a cheerful giver. I'll tell you about this word, a short definition. So this Greek word, it means joyous, cheerful, not grudging. So that's a kind of a short definition. But then I delved a little bit more, looked up a little bit more, and it says disposed towards being, uh, sorry, disposed towards because satisfied. Describing someone who is cheerfully ready to act because they are already approving or persuaded or inclined. They are already won over. It describes spontaneous, non-reluctant giving. So God loves a cheerful giver and it just shows because we're already saying, yes, Lord, I hear you speak to me. I'm going to do what you say. We don't have to be persuaded anymore. We're going to do it. And so I've got a few ideas that hopefully you'll be looking at and think, oh, yeah, these are different areas of generosity that we can think about. Now, of course, if you sort of look at the first one, uh, look at the title that I had, Be Generous, you're probably going to think one thing, because lots of people speak about this 
in different churches. Finance. So let's talk about that first. Because it's easy, isn't it? We'll just talk about it now, and then we'll get on to some, lots of other things as well. In the Old Testament, God said, give 10%. Tithe what you've got. But in the New Testament, Paul is kind of saying, give everything you've got. Jesus gave everything he got, everything he had. And so what we're thinking is, possibly, giving 10% is a good idea to church or to help other people. There's all kinds of things we can do. But it might be, various parts of life, giving 10% is too difficult. You've got too many other things that you have to do. Or it might be later in life or different parts of life, you've got more than 10% that you might feel able to give to church or give to other people as well. So God is saying, yeah, finance is important and we want to give to God through that, but there are other things too. So let's have a look at some other things. Kindness. Now you might know that kindness is one of the fruits of the Spirit. That's in Galatians 5, 23. So I've put kindness, but we can be generous, not just in kindness, but in other fruits of the Spirit. I'm going to read them out to you. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, goodness, oh, gentleness rather, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So God, perhaps, is asking us to be hilarious, to be generous in a way that we're gentle. God is encouraging us to be hilariously just spontaneous in the way that we're good. Or show peace to people. Probably some of us are good at being generous like that. But I do know other people that are generous in another way. The acts of the flesh are obvious. This is just from a few verses earlier in that chapter, Galatians 5. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I know people that are very generous at lying. I know people that are very generous at doing other things that we don't want to be encouraged to do. God is calling us to be generous in kindness. And you're the fruit of the Spirit as well. Let's be generous in good ways. What about being generous in our body language? Sorry, I'm just picking another willing volunteer. Can you tell? <laughs> Colin. Hello, How are you doing? Pretty all right, thanks. What you? Oh, thank you. What's your week been like? Didn't you hear me? <laughs> What's your week been like? Good, very good. Oh, I'm, I'm sure what you've been. Oh, all right. I'm really pleased to hear you've had a good week. Thank you. <laughs> What's that like? If I'm my body language is having my back to a good friend, a good chap like Colin. What's that like? That's not showing generosity, is it? But engaging people, looking at them and saying, Hi, how are you doing? 
Isn't that brilliant? I bet we could all do that with our body language. What about invitation to home, to have a drink or something like that? To be hospitable, hospitable to people. That would be a great thing. We can be generous in our hospitality. What about giving people gifts? You know, like a secret Santa type thing. I know that some people do that very nicely. And it's like wonderful, isn't it? To just give someone a gift, put it through their letterbox. It could be finance, it could be just a bag of sweets or something like that, that someone likes. That's brilliant. What about talents like that, that someone is talented at doing flowers, arranging flowers. So they just do it. Or they're talented at playing an instrument or they're talented at going down the shops and helping you because your leg hurts. And so they're going to go down the shop and take the, the weight off you sort of thing. Know what I mean? There's all these things we can be generous in. And that's what God is helping us to do. What about time? We can be generous in our time. We can be saying, yeah, I'm going to come round someone's house and do something. Or, yeah, let's meet together. Or, you know, all these sorts of things that we can be generous in. Paul and I get paid to work at church. There's a lot of volunteers. Without the volunteers, church, as we know it, wouldn't exist. Paul and I are very, very grateful for all the people that give a lot of time to church. You make a big difference. If Paul and I were just doing everything ourselves, everything wouldn't happen. We are grateful for the time that you give, the differences you make. And things happen and you think, oh. Or perhaps you don't think, oh. You don't even think. Like, communion just appears on the first Sunday of the month on the table. Someone's done it. Flowers appear outside as if by magic. But someone's done it. Carpets are cleaned. Not by magic. Someone's come along and done it. You know, people are giving time in a voluntary basis. And that is so brilliant. Over the next few weeks, some of us will be distributing these leaflets to hundreds of uh, houses around the area. That's brilliant. If it was just me and Paul doing it, we'd be doing some of them. But then there'd be loads more left over that we wouldn't be able to do. Brilliant. Maybe some of you will be able to get involved with that, and that would be superb. We've talked about empty chairs in the past, and we sort of say, yes, Lord, come and fill the empty chairs. But we know all it can be is by all of us taking our part and doing our part that God can create new growth and new people coming along. Quickly thinking about prayer, we can be generous in prayer. I know that my mum and dad have prayed for me for decades. I know that some of you pray for me regularly. I'm very grateful. It makes a difference. I want to be generous in my prayers for all of you. Here's a funny thing. This week I was working at home, typing things and everything, and I was knocking on the door. And there was a chap outside. It was a meter reader. So I went round the back, opened the gate, and stood with him and said, you're all right then, just past the time of day. And I heard God whisper to me. Ask if you can pray for him. 
Okay, Lord, God, I'll think I'll just have a think about that. <laughs> ask you if you can pray for him. <laughs> yep, okay, I'll not pray any, I'll not ask you about that anymore. I'll just say, it was busy taking the numbers and everything. Can I pray for you? And he says, are you a Christian? I says, yes, I am. Please, brother, pray for me. He was a Christian as well. And so I was praying for him. And he was saying, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. That, that's a real Christian doing that, isn't it? So, so he was praying. He was really glad that I prayed for him. And then he says at the end, when I prayed for him, I'm doing an evangelistic campaign in Uganda in November for two weeks. Can you pray for that, please? And so we, we were two Christian brothers. We were strangers. But because I was generous in just praying for someone, because I heard God say, pray for him, I didn't just pray inwardly. And sort of say, well, that do God kind of thing. No, I prayed out loud. And he was affected. And for all that morning, in fact, when Jill came, I was still feeling 10 foot tall. Because God had done something wonderful in me. Because I was generous and prayed for someone else. I was affected. I had a great day. Because I listened to God and was obedient to him. Sometimes I look on Twitter and all that. Here's a quick bit of Twitter. My will be done sounds like freedom. Thy will be done sounds like slavery. I've missed some bits out. I'm going to put those back in. My will be done sounds like freedom, but it leads to slavery. Thy will be done sounds like slavery, but it leads to freedom. God is calling us to be generous in all those aspects that I came up with, and I bet you can think of more aspects. Be generous, God says. Do we have to be generous in thought and action even when situations are difficult? I was hoping everyone would say, have a think about it. It'll just be all right. Just take each situation as it comes. Thank you very much for saying that. Do you know, a few weeks ago, I was minding my own business, and this email came, and it had this image on it. Oh, I think it's going to come. Oh, no. Well, it's not there. I'll tell you what it was. It was was an image of a Marmite jar. Yeah. Everyone loves Marmite. Yeah, yay, yay for Marmite. But the thing was, and I've got a picture of it here because you can see it, it had a picture of a rainbow on it. And I can't read what it says because it's a bit small, but it says something about love everyone, not hate. And with the rainbow, I know it's to do with the LGBTQ. When things are difficult, like when something difficult comes along and someone says something that you don't kind of believe in or someone makes you angry because they say something because they're just I don't believe that God asks us to be generous I was a bit about that and on the Santander because I've got a Santander current account when you look on their ATM it says we're proud to support gay pride it says it every time I see it and it just niggles me because I think lying is bad gossiping is bad All these things are bad. Being a practicing homosexual is bad. It's what the Bible says. And so how do I, as a Christian, do sort of 
be generous when difficult things like that come along. And I want to not make a fuss, but also I want to say, well, I don't think that's right. I'm not asking you to tell me how to do it. I'm asking you to ponder, because I'm still pondering about that. Quickly, what happens if someone parks really badly? This happened in Dobby's, and I didn't take the photo myself. There's websites where you can get people that park badly in Nuneaton and Hinkley. So I just looked on the website, and here's someone parking badly in two spaces. How does it make you feel if people annoy you and they park badly? What about, how does it make you feel if you're all embarrassed and you just think, oh, they shouldn't have said that about me? Does it make you angry if people embarrass you? If they say something bad, does it affect you if they've said something like, oh, you prayed this morning, but I could tell you weren't really sure what to say. Or you sang very loudly, but it wasn't very good, was it? Like People make flippant comments, and they tie us down and make us horrible and not being able to be generous to God because someone's made a flippant comment years ago, and God is saying, be generous, do things, but you're thinking, 20 years ago, someone said that about me. Someone didn't like the way I shook their hands or greeted them. And now I'm, I can't be generous anymore. The thing is this. When we meet people, and I like meeting people and saying hello to strangers, I will often say, oh, hello, where are you from? And I invite them to say something. I'm sometimes awake at night, and so I don't disturb Jill. I listen to the World Service on the radio. I just got my earplugs, and there was a brilliant programme this week during the night. And sometimes these programmes don't get me to sleep. They wake me up even more, because I think that was so excited. And this is what is important. They, they had this programme, and it was all about not asking people, where are you from? This person was going round Tokyo as it happened, and she was saying to all these strangers, where are you going to? Hello, sir, where are you going to? And in our lives, I think, we don't want to be thinking, where have we come from? What have people said about us in the past? What have we lived through? What have we done? Because that sometimes shackles us and stops us from being generous and doing things for God. We want to be saying, where am I going to? That makes us totally different. Instead of being shackled and tied down and thinking, oh no, I can't do that anymore. Because that just reminds us that God is with us. We have a heavenly home. Because you might think with all these things I listed, I can't be generous. But do you remember that widow in the Bible who was at the temple? It was in Mark 12. And she just gave some copper coins, some very little coins. And Jesus said she gave more than all those rich people. Do you remember the five loaves and the two fish? Feeding the 5,000. It was insignificant. And yet he was generous. He gave everything he had. It might have seemed insignificant, but it was a great deal. What makes a church most relevant to the world around us isn't being dot, 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 but dot, dot, dot. Here's this bit filled in. What makes the church most relevant to the world around us isn't being as like it as we can, but being as distinctive from it as we should. God is calling us today and challenging us 
to be generous, to be distinctive, to be different from the world. They want, they want, they want. Jesus says, have open arms, be generous to other people. It says in Micah 6 verse 8, but he's already made it plain how to live, what to do, what God is looking for in men and women. It's quite simple. Do what is fair and just to your neighbour. In other words, be generous. Be compassionate and loyal in your love. Be generous. And don't take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. So that's what we're trying to think about today. Being generous. We go on holiday, we can't take everything with us. We have to think about what we're going to take to put in a suitcase, to put in the car. In life, we can't be everything and do all the interesting things we'd like to do. But God is calling us to be generous. He was generous. He says, go and do like I've done. Be generous too. We're going to pray. And if you want to sort of just think, oh yes, Lord, I want to be generous, but I find it hard then maybe we can pray later for people that are just feeling all cut up and tied down because of what's happened in the past, that they feel they can't be generous now because of what people have said or done to them in the past. But let's just pray all together now. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is loving, is, is encouraging and challenging. Thank you, Lord, that you want us to be generous people. And we give our lives to you again and say, Lord, as you have been generous to us, help us to be generous to others. Because, Lord, we ask it in your name. Amen. Wow. You know how sometimes you you get flattened by a a truth and you think, oh, that's kind of where I'm feeling right now. Um, But God is able to allow us to process what we've just heard and to make it accessible to us that we can live it out. God doesn't give us challenges that we can't do anything about. So, uh, yes, okay, I'm waiting for the next bit, God. (laughs) How to do that? Yeah, wow, I was just really challenged by how being generous was was about doing it without thinking. It was about doing it, you know, without being encouraged to do it. This This is how we should be just as we are normally. Um, generosity and all these things, it's like, Yeah. Okay. We're on a journey. (laughs) It's a process. And God hasn't finished with us yet. Amen. All right. That's uh, going to be good. Amen. God, we declare it. You are greater. You are stronger. You are higher than any other. There is none like you. Oh, God, thank you for being able to shout and sing truth this morning. Lord, will you help us to shout and sing truth in the way that we live our lives in this coming week. God, help us to be generous in the way that we are at home, out and about, with all the different people we're going to see and meet this week. And God, help us to hear for your voice to be speaking or praying for somebody this week, like happened to John last week. God, will you you go with us? We know you will because you do. Go with us into this week, we pray. And Lord, let your name be glorified and let your kingdom grow, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.